everyone to a new episode of On the Rise. I am Vishal Yatish, a junior at Mission San Jose High School. What, does, what drives successful people? What does passion truly mean? And how does one find it? This is what we're going to find out, find out together. On the Rise features top tier founders and innovators to talk about their journeys and motivations to help inspire the next generation of leaders. Today, we're joined by Fatima Deko, the founder and CEO of Sugar, a venture-backed prop tech company which turns apartment buildings into interactive communities. Hi, Fatima. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you have an incredibly busy schedule, so let's dive right in. Just for a little bit of context, the company you originally founded was called Jetpack, which was a peer-to-peer -peer platform that allows college students to get the last-minute products they need in less than 15 minutes. You started this while you were a student at Stanford University, I believe. What was the story behind Jetpack? What motivated you to start your company? Sure, and I am so excited to be here. I think this podcast is an amazing idea and, and just look forward to the conversation. Uh, going back to Jetpack, oh, such, an, such an interesting time. What caused me to start Jetpack was the fact that, you know, I was a college student myself and as somebody who was always on the move and forgetting things, I found myself always texting my friends, you know, for last minute items that I forgot, you know, if I was in the library and I forgot a charger, or if I needed an energy drink, or if I ran out of, you know, a certain product in my dorm room. And I realized that there was no easy way to just ask people who were around, you know, there had to be someone in the library with what I needed. There had to be someone in my dorm room, but there wasn't an easy way to do that. And so I said, what if we had a way of just being able to connect with other students in the area and give them backpacks filled with emergency products so that they can make money and deliver, you know, these orders and students can get what they need in less than 10 minutes. So we started at Stanford, we launched our first MVP, um, we started to get some really good traction and, and really that's where, where we, we thought that we had something cool. And then obviously the COVID shutdowns happened. University campuses were forced to close. Uh, I know this might seem like an obvious question, but how did this impact your company? It was, it was definitely a very tough experience for, for the entire team. You know, we put years down, you know, on the line. We worked really hard. We had scaled to multiple campuses around the country and we were faced with a very hard decision, which was we could choose three paths. The first path, which most entrepreneurs hate to think about it is to stop, right? To not continue. And the natural momentum of a startup is to keep going, right? And so, you know, you're taught that, you know, you have to survive long enough to get lucky and you only give up if you run out of money or if you, if you give up. And so you just want to keep going. But that was a, a, a genuine reality. The first option was stop. The second option was to pause and work on the product and wait until schools potentially open back up in September. Um, and this was of last year. So early in the year, April, we don't know, are schools gonna open back up? Are they not gonna open back up? Um, and, and luckily we made the decision not to go that route because schools did not in fact <laughs> open back up in September. And the final option was, okay, is there any potential space, any industry where we can take what we've built for campuses 
and try to find a way to apply what we've learned and what we've built there. And that's really the path that we ended up going down. And, and we went from apartment uh, college campuses to apartment buildings. And, you know, surprisingly, there's been a lot of similarities in what we've learned. And, you know, I think we're really lucky that <laughs> we went down that path. Yeah. So that actually leads right into my next question. So you'd explain how you came up with your idea for your pivot, but how did you connect those dots? So you had something that worked for university campuses. How did you connect it to residential communities? Do you still do the same services or did you have to change something? Sure. You know, a lot of times when we think about the problem that we're solving, we go straight to the what, right? The what in the Jetpack case was the mobile app that's a peer-to-peer -peer delivery. But if we go back to the root of the problem and what it is that we're genuinely trying to do, at Jetpack, what we're trying to do is make it easier to connect with the people who are closest in your proximity, right? Which happen to be other students. And the mobile app, the technology was a way to fulfill or to solve that problem. But we had to take a step back and not get super attached to the what, right? And so when I go back to apartment buildings, we realized at the same time we were spending more time at home than we ever had before. You know, we were working remotely and I realized that I lived in a building and I didn't know any of my neighbors, right? This 15 story building in Koreatown here in Los Angeles, I don't know anyone who lives right by me. And again, it's the same problem of Jetpack how do I connect with the people around me easier, but the how and the what is different. And so for us, we, we tried to get back to the fundamental root of, well, what is it that we're even trying to solve? We're trying to solve this issue of people within close proximity not connecting and other spaces outside of campuses could, could very well experience that same thing. So hopefully that, that makes sense. No, yeah, it totally does. So you explained the three paths that you had open to you when COVID hit. How did you stop yourself from taking that first path? How did you stay positive and driven in your mission through these significant challenges? Sure. You know, I, I think, and, and I'll premise this or preface this with the fact that the key to execution is to keep goals simple, clear, and measurable. And if you can do that, then you at least have some way of knowing whether or not you're, in a, you're going down a direction that's actually useful and forward. So for us, in order to not choose option one or two and go down this third path, we had to be very, very clear about what our goals were. And we had to be able to measure whether or not it was something that would take us forward. And we had to be very honest with each other and say, you know, if we don't reach these goals, that is when we, we realize that we no longer have a right to proceed. And that was really the hard part. So we said, you know, when we landed on the idea of, okay, what about apartment buildings? We set this goal of, okay, if we put a QR code in the elevator, um, to download, and at the time, the screenshots are so funny, it was this very bare bones version, we didn't even change the name to sugar yet, it was still jetpack, it was this like one screen thing where you could just, you know, ping your neighbors, and we had a simple, you know, thing on the poster that said, scan this QR code to plug into your community, and we said, okay, if over the next week, you know, we don't get at least 
at the time we're like, we don't get at least 20 people to download this from the elevator and plug into this MVP, then maybe apartment, maybe residents don't care about this, right? So we were very simple about it. We set the time frame, we set the number. Um, and within a few days, we had over half of the building on the app. And for us, it was really, really important that we had a way to measure success in order to keep going. Otherwise, we would have went down, you know, this rabbit hole of just trying to make it work for so long. That, that is really interesting. It's an amazing story of pivoting on a pre-existing product to suit, to suit your challenges that you face. So what is the biggest lesson that you've learned on your journey so far? Yeah, I, I would say a few things. One, success is certainly not linear. Um, you know, I think people see the end points of different journeys, but they very rarely see, you know, the things that take place beforehand, right? Um, you know, that infamous quote, an overnight success takes 30 years or, or something like that. And I would say that it's important to break down any mental models you have in your mind about what success looks like. You know, you have to realize that your journey is your journey. And as long as you have to, you have a way to measure if you're going in the right direction, then you shouldn't compare your journey to other people. Um, secondarily, I would say that it's really, really important that the problem that you're solving is deeply tied to your sense of purpose. For me, you know, as an immigrant who came to the United States at a young age, the sense of community has always been very important to me. Finding a way to connect with people around me um, and, and the fact that I've benefited from communities my entire life. Um, and for me, I want to find a way to use the power of community to fuel the world. And while you know that started with Jetpack, now we're doing that with Sugar, that's always been tied to my sense of purpose. And I think that as entrepreneurs go down these, you know, these paths of starting their companies, you have to solve a problem that you're deeply passionate about. Otherwise, you know, on average, the, the, the entrepreneurial journey is 8.2 years. And so if you're not going to be, you know, and, and that's on average, certainly there's different paths people can take. But if you're not committed and you're not passionate about what you're solving, it's going to be very, very easy to, to stop or to give up or to, to pursue other opportunities. Um, finally, the lesson I will say is that it truly does take a village and it really is about relationships. You know, whether you're fundraising, whether you're selling a product, whether you're trying to even, you know, us connecting on this podcast, it's really about relationships and the people you meet. And sometimes, you know, it, it, they say, ask for help, you'll get money, ask for money, you'll get help. You know, just connecting with people when you don't have an ask and finding a way to be useful and to tell your story um, is going to be one of the strongest things you can do as an entrepreneur, because that's how you're going to drive your business forward. Mm -hmm. So obviously the pandemic has significantly shifted the way we live, we study, and we work. What does the future for Sugar and other property tech companies look like for the next five to 10 years? Sure, it's such an exciting industry that's that's evolving very, very quickly. Um, for us, you know, there's there's a few things that are really exciting to us. The first is that, you know, Gen Z 
um, is one of the, the largest growing group of renters um, and their demands for apartment living are completely different. You know, things like keyless entry, being able to unlock doors with their phone, um, the, the ability to connect with your community um, in more interesting ways. Um, Gen Z is going to change a lot of what, what prop tech looks like and I, I'm excited to be here at this time. Um, I think secondarily, we are interested in not only how people connect with others in their building, but how residents connect with the communities outside of their building. I think over time, Sugar will be in an interesting position to help people connect with local businesses by offering deals or, or free products um, after earning karma points in the Sugar app. So there's a lot of directions we can go, um, and we're excited about what things look like. One in four Americans will now be working from home. And so people are going to be spending more time, you know, in within their apartments than they have ever before. And so that means, you know, higher expectations and new new demands for different experiences inside the household. And so we're really going to be paying attention, especially to the remote workforce and how that impacts what, what they want to experience at home. Do you think sugar will spread to suburban communities as well? You know, it's really interesting. I think that there's a lot of potential. We've been saying, you know, we want to be next door for apartment buildings because um, we've been really excited about what next door has done for neighborhoods. I think we'll continue to monitor the market and see what we learn in the multifamily community. Um, I think with more and more apartments being built right now, you know, there's so much activity with just newer, modern, more tech forward buildings getting built. We're excited about focusing there. And if we learn something that could apply to neighborhoods, then, you know, we may you know, look down there uh, later down the road. Um, but that's the cool thing about startups, right? You know, there's so much opportunity and you just have to be agile enough um, to, to identify the opportunities as you go. To close this out, one final question. You talked about the lessons that you learned, but if you could give one piece of advice to say younger generations who want to become entrepreneurs, but say they don't have an idea or they don't know how to get to there, get to that place, what would you give them? Sure. I would say data gets people to believe you, but stories get people to care. So if you can start to tell your story very, very well, Right. And again, Ty, if you're going to work on any company, be able to tell the story of that company, not what it does, not the problem, not the features. Tell the story, right, of you as an entrepreneur and the story of the company that you want to build, then that's going to take you very, very far. If you don't have an idea yet, try to think about the problems that you experience on a daily basis, because that's going to allow you to tell the story of the, the company that you're building. And a lot of the most exciting, compelling, and authentic stories come from problems that people are experiencing themselves. So I would say tie it back to your personal experiences and be able to tell a story more than anything else. Thank you so much for your time, Fatima. Thanks everyone for joining us. Stay tuned for my next episode. See you all soon. Bye.